Okay. All right. Good to be back. It's been a little while. Uh, popcorn. Lisa's letting me know. If you want popcorn, go ahead and get it right now. Are we getting all settled in? I'm glad to be back, like I said. We just had church camp, and, uh, you know, kids had a great time. We learned a lot. Uh, really set these kids on fire for Jesus, and we just were so grateful. I believe the whole camp was paid for in full, except for the deposits, and, you know, it made a way for a lot of kids to get to go. We were really grateful for that. I'll definitely tell you one thing. I'm quite a bit older than the last time I went to camp, and those mattresses got even thinner. Oh, goodness. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I got heavier. But, uh, yeah, it was. I brought a little sleeper pad, so it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that great either. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. I'll definitely be going back next year. All right, so I'll get right into it. I want to start with a story. Uh, my mom's been asking me what I'm going to speak about for a few weeks, and I, I'm not doing quite so much Let There Be Light this week, but the moment that this happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to speak about this. Um, I was at work, and we caught a medical call, and it just said, you know, dehydrated person in a restaurant. So we get on our way, and we get there, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading for this first part. I don't want to miss any of it. Uh, We arrived to find a middle-aged man who appeared to be having a heat stroke. He was very anxious, very disoriented, very confused. He stated that he no longer wanted to drink. He hated drinking. He wanted to stop and that he wanted help. So from that, I deduced that he was an alcoholic. So what turned into a dehydrated person is now really more than just somebody who needs, you know, some fluids. Somebody with some other problems, too, who's also dehydrated. When asking for his information, he said that he had liver cancer, among other illnesses. Presumably, this is from, you know, incessant alcohol abuse that causes liver cancer, fatty liver, all kinds of stuff like that. He said he was looking for a rehab center that would take him in and give him the help that he needed. However, this was the, at this time, it was the hottest day of the year, super high humidity, he had no water, his phone was broken, and he was hung over from trying to get off of drinking, going through alcohol withdrawals as well. He said he had passed out several times from the heat, and when we got there to him, his skin was all red and completely dry, which if you know what that means, it, like it's, he's already used all the water in his body, and now he can't cool off from his sweat, so now he's right at the end of where he's, he's in bad shape. very, very poor medical condition. He said that he was walking around unsure of where the rehab was, so he was just hoping that he was going to run into it. So he was walking about the city of Tyler, big city, looking for one building, didn't know where it was, just hoping he could find, that's how desperate this guy was. After he had done all that he could and could no longer carry on, he decided to call 911. Really, somebody called 911 for him. But little did he know, he was a rock's throw from the rehab place. I'm, it's, it was crazy. We passed by it on the way back. I mean, I could, I could throw a baseball and hit that place. It was right, we were at Chick-fil-A. It was the building on the backside of Chick-fil-A. And this guy had no idea, so he... He was right there, but even though he was right amongst it, 
he didn't know where it was. He, didn't, he couldn't find it. Now, I can assume that this guy got the help he needed. You know, the ambulance took him to the hospital and, you know, got him some fluids. And I'm sure he was able to get some kind of ride, get to the rehab center. And I, I don't know how that guy's doing today, but I'm sure he was able to get some help because we were able to get there to him. Obviously, before it was too late, he had already passed out a couple of times. I don't know how many times he would have passed out before he didn't wake up with the condition he was in and the weather. So I'm glad to see that guy has at least made it to the hospital. Okay, kind of a cautionary tale, uh, kind of a downer, but I want to see how we can see ourselves in this situation, okay? Now all of us, at some point or another, have strayed off of the straight and narrow path. One point or another, we've done it. We've all been the sheep that has left the herd, that Jesus had to leave the 99 to go get the one that was all us at one point. Uh, whether you want to talk about salvation, whether we were lost and Jesus, we were found by God, or we were already Christians and we were, you know, backsliding or whatever. That's all been us at least once in our lives. I mean, me, it's been a lot, but I can't speak for everybody. We've all been a prodigal son. We've all ran away from God at some point or another, some more than others, some in different ways than others. Uh, You may be this man right now. You may be running away from God right now. You may be completely lost. Hopefully there's nobody in this church right now that's completely lost without salvation, doesn't know anything about God. I mean, that would mean we're not doing a very good job of uh, telling you about Jesus. But... You know, you can be that person, you can still be saved and be that man who has, you know, set his path on the straight and narrow, but like Pastor Bree talked about, I'm getting ahead here, but Pastor Bree talked about, you know, six weeks or so ago, if you just veer off a little bit and you go long enough, before you know it, you're way far away. So maybe that's you right now. Maybe that was you, praise God, you're out of that right now, Uh, and then we all need to make sure that that's not us in the future. This guy was wandering about with no direction and no guidance. So y'all heard me say that he was just walking around the city looking for the rehab center. I mean, that's, that's like a needle in a haystack. No chance. That thing could have been in an office somewhere. I mean, the odds of finding that. And then what's even crazier is he was right beside it and still didn't even know it was there. It sounds like us whenever we veer off that path. He was lost. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know how he got there. He didn't know how to get where he was going. In our lives, we want to get back on track, but we don't know where we are. If, we're, if we veered off that path, you get far enough away, you're thinking, maybe I'll just I'll look. Okay, he's still right there, but I kind of want to do my own thing right now. Okay, he's still right there. I want to do my own thing. And before you know it, you go a little bit and turn around and you, where am I at? I don't know where I went. Turned around. How many can relate to that? We let our little pet sins, if we're not careful, our little pet sin that we just kind of like, it can grow, okay? You know, this guy who was a terrible alcoholic, I can promise you that was not his first day drinking. It wasn't his first week or his first year. 
Okay, that guy had been living that way for a long time. I mean, he had liver cancer. So you don't get liver cancer overnight. You don't get liver cancer in a year. Those little pet sins, you know, might have started out as something small, just a little way to knock the edge off. And I'm talking about alcohol right now. But like Pastor Bree said, it can be all, any number of things, okay? Some things like to hide in the dark. Some things like, Pastor Bree said, like eating. That's a little more socially acceptable. I'm not trying to pick on alcoholics only right now. I'm trying to speak to everybody, but I can't say everything at once. So just put it into your own life and say, okay, what is my pet sin that I've kind of just let grow and get bigger and bigger? This guy was lost. He was lonely. There's three things here. He was lost. This puts it in your notes. He was lost. He was lonely. This guy had nobody beside him to lean on. Because of his life choices, all of his help had been left behind. It was just this one guy. And this guy, he should have had a wife and kids at the age he was at, maybe even some grandkids. When we veer off that straight and narrow, I'm talking about that a lot. When we veer off of that path and go do our own thing, go live a life of sin, fill in the blank with whatever it is, Oftentimes, it comes with leaving behind the people that God has put in our lives for another group of friends, okay? We, there's been plenty of people that I've seen come to this church who got on fire for God, and they, got, they were able to get a good friend group that would hold them accountable, that would keep them strong, that would be there for them, but because that friend group holds them accountable and trust and texts them like, hey, man, I, you know, I haven't been seeing you, or I'm really worried about you. They have to leave that behind in order to go do their own thing because that, they know that friend group won't support them. And so, you know, they come to church and like, well, I don't want to hang out with Jeremy because he's going to be asking me what I've been doing, and I don't want to tell him. Amen. He was lost, he was lonely, and he was burdened. One thing about this guy, and the Lord gave this to me, he had a huge backpack, like like army backpack style, where it was just tons of stuff. That backpack was super heavy, like held like, seemed like everything the guy owned. He wasn't homeless, but it had a ton of stuff in there. That thing was extremely heavy, packed to the top with everything you could think of. And the thing about that big heavy bag out in the sun, it makes you tired quick. The bags this guy was carrying around really hastened his exhaustion and hastened his dehydration. So he's out there by himself, completely lonely. He doesn't know where he is, and he's carrying around all these weights. I want to go a little further into what that backpack means, really, for us. See, the effects of our sin have brought on some heavy consequences. And I'm not just talking about heaven and hell, okay? Because for the saved man, you're not going to hell, but you can still carry around a lot of baggage. We talk about that in deliverance. I'm not going to deliverance tonight, but you can carry around and pick up a lot of baggage in your life, and it gets really heavy. It's like sandbags strapped on your back. They make it nearly impossible to move, and it's going to zap you of all your strength very quickly. These bags, okay, let's transition here to use some biblical language. You could say like a yoke. So an oxen is under a yoke. That's the thing that goes over it, and they use it to pull, Okay. So this man, that backpack, although he wasn't hauling a plow behind it, but it was something on his shoulders that he would carry along. It was a weight. That, 
that oxen's going to pull that yoke. There's, it's on his shoulders. He's pulling it. It's a lot of weight. Okay? Now, these bags and the yokes that we have given the enemy the legal right to enslave us with, were, we bought them. They were bought by us. You may not think you bought your baggage, but you did. You paid a price for it. You think that, you know, when you say bought by a price, you know, we were bought by a price by Christ, but we bought, we bought our baggage that we get from our sin. The price you pay is with your sin. We wanted to take part in the temptations because the devil makes it look so good. He makes it look so fun. Like, it just looks so tempting. You know, he, he's a mastermind. He's been around for thousands and thousands of years. You know, he knows how to work people. He knows when you're weak. You personally. He's got the army full of demons. He's not omnipresent everywhere like God, but he's got an army full of demons, and they're constantly watching you, and they're seeing when you're going to be weak, and they're seeing whenever you're, you know, not going to want to go to church, and you're not going to want to read your Bible, you're not going to want to pray. They're going to see when you're going to want to drink after work and drink too many, and they're going to know what you're doing on your computer, and they might throw a little ad your way, or throw, you know, you're scrolling on Facebook, and they kind of throw something your way that's going to catch your eye. So the enemy knows you. Don't be fooled. He's not, he's not dumb. We wanted to take part in the temptations. Take part in that sin. And because we did that, it's a legal right. We gotta, we're carrying this baggage now. It's a trade. You do the sin, you carry the baggage. Can't have one without the other. Now, actually, I'm going to wait on that. I don't want to get into that just yet. So the enemy offers us bewilderment, loneliness, and baggage. That's what he's, the three things he's got for us. What does God offer us? Instead of being lost, he gives us sonship. Okay, Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Galatians 4 and 7, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. All throughout the Bible, it talks about us being sons of God, children of God. The Israelites were the children of God. Jesus came. Salvation went out to, you know, guys like you and me, not just the Israelites. And we're all children of God now through salvation. So instead of being lost out there, we're found in Jesus. Okay, we're found as his children we don't got to go out there and try to find something. We're found in Jesus. That's how we're meant to be. Instead of being lonely, he offers us companionship, friendship, relationship, not just with his son and with him, but with the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. we are all the body of Christ. So look amongst you here. Turn to your left and your right, okay? Do you know who's next to you? All right, that's a, that's a friend group that we go out and we do life with, that we go out and do events with. It's not just, you know, come in at 945, sing three songs, announcements, uh, message, maybe stay for an altar call, leave. You talk to these people, you get to know them. They're like your family, your church family. And uh, these people are, it's a godly group of people that you can call on when you're hurting Call on when you're lonely. Call on just when you're sick and you need somebody to pray for you. Okay, it's a whole network of people that is for your benefit. Instead of having some 
backbiting friends at work that are going to treat you bad. You've got some good people here that care about you. They love you. They want you to succeed. They want you to live a fruitful, abundant life, have life and have it more abundantly, like Pastor Bree said last week. So the people you have around you, take advantage of that, okay? If you're lonely in this church, it's your own decision, okay? We love you. We're here for you. But we also can't read your mind. So sometimes you got to reach out and ask. Just If you'll just break out and just say, hey, I'm struggling. Pastor Bree said it last week. If you'll be real and just be like, hey, I'm really struggling with this right now. You will not be laughed at. I can guarantee it. You won't be laughed at. You won't be made fun of. You'll be received with open arms. And then they're going to, there may be some resetting. They may ask you to quit walking this way and get back on that straight and narrow. But it's because we love you. And it's because we care about you. And we care about your future. And we don't want you to uh, live an awful life. We want you to be blessed. We're a family. We do it all together. What else does God bring us? He brings us rest and freedom, okay? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Remember what I said about yokes and baggage? Really the same difference. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gently and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right? God's yoke for us is easy. His burden is light. Ask anybody who has gone through deliverance, who has just come up and laid something down at the altar. What you're carrying around that the enemy has given you when you made that exchange, it's, it's heavy. You get, it's almost like you get a little bit strong. Like you just like, I don't want to say strong. You just get used to it, and so you don't realize how heavy it is. But the moment you come lay that off, it's just like, I can fly right now. You know? People really say, I feel... They use the word every time they say, I feel lighter. I just feel like I can just go, oh, man. When you're carrying around guilt and shame and when you're carrying around all kinds of hurts, it weighs you down. It gives you that mule face religion. Like, like I'm going back to Pastor Bree a bunch. It just, you don't, you're not vibrant. You don't prosper when you're carrying around all that. But when you take upon, when you, take upon you the Lord's yoke, take upon you his burden, it's light, it's easy how you were designed in sanctification by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit we move out away from our sin our desires change and we become completely different people unenslaved by our sinful nature Colossians 2 and 11 when you came to Christ you were <laughs> okay we don't have any kids in here but when you came to Christ you were circumcised but not by a physical procedure Christ performed a spiritual circumcision the cutting away of our sinful nature. So he had circumcision in the, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's taken away our sinful nature. How do we know that we're enslaved in sin to begin with? Well, John 8.34 says that he who sins is a slave to sin. So you're not a free man. God makes us free. But you're not a free man if you're sinning. You're a slave to that thing. Anybody with an addiction will tell you that they were a slave to that thing. And I know addiction, we think, we think, you know, drugs and, you know, substance abuse and stuff like that. There's plenty of other addictions out there. And there's levels to addiction, okay? Um, if you have to pull out your phone and just unlock it and lock it every minute, that's, that really is an addiction, seriously. And I'm not, 
trying to just, I mean, I'm speaking to myself here. Me and Lexi have done a little thing. We've got off social media for a little while. Like, because it had gotten so bad for us that I was just constantly like, anytime that I wasn't speaking or doing something, and even if I was doing something, I just pull it out and look at it, put it back. And there'd be nothing for me to do. Nothing to be calling me, nothing, nobody to be texting me or whatever. And I'm like, I've just got to get away. I'm addicted to my phone right now. And uh, put a little plug in here. Watch a thing called The Social Dilemma. And, you know, find it on Netflix or whatever. Watch The Social Dilemma. And I'm telling you, you'll, everybody in here will get rid of Facebook and Instagram and all social media if they do that. Because it, it shows you it's not an innocent thing where they're just like, oh, hey, you know, look at... Look what Susie did the other day, and look what your brother John did is posting about fishing or whatever. They are using you to, to make money. It's like the Matrix almost. They're using your time. They're trading your time for dollars, and uh, it's a very corrupt thing. So little plug there, unrelated to this sermon. He brings freedom, rest, companionship, friendship, relationship, and sonship. The opposite of being lost, lonely, and burdened. Now, the devil absolutely had this man in the right place, he had, or had him right where he wanted him. He was in the wrong place, but the devil knew exactly what he was doing. He had it lined up just right, had this guy completely helpless. Okay, the devil's very smart. He's brought, I already said it earlier, but he's brought down a lot of people more powerful, more wealthy, smarter than you and me and everybody else, okay? It's... Think about all the rich rulers. Think about all the kings in, in the Bible. Think about the book of Judges. There's plenty of people in the Bible who really had high aspirations, and they were just, think about King David. I mean, look what he came from, did so many mighty works for the kingdom of God, and still David succumbed to the temptation that the devil put in front of him. The devil's, and those demons spent their whole time, or not their whole life, but David's whole life watching him. They knew when David was going to be weak. They knew what David struggled with, and they hopped in there, and, and sure enough, just like all of us, we've got the sinful nature, um, David gave into it. And I'm not just trying to put David down. He was obviously a great king, and I'm not trying to put you guys down. I'm just saying, you've got to respect your adversary, and I use respect lightly. I, I hate the devil, but I would say be very wise with your adversary, okay? Now, it didn't matter to the devil that that man was looking for someone to help him. And I won't be much longer here. I asked the Lord to tell me how to say this in the most concise way possible, okay? So I don't have much longer, but really take this in. It didn't matter to the devil that this man was looking for somebody to help him, okay? Why? Because the devil knew that he was away from the people God had put in his life to give him help. He was lonely. So he didn't care that he was asking for help. It doesn't matter. You might as well be shouting at a brick wall. I know that you're over there. I've gotten in between you and the people God put in your life. So say whatever you like. It doesn't matter because your teammates, your friends, your church family is, you know, they haven't seen you in six weeks. They haven't seen you in two years. They don't know where you are. You got up and left. And, you know, changed your phone number, you're, you're a ghost. So he can't come walking in the doors. He's, he may be miles and miles away. He doesn't have a car, so he, he can't call out for help to his friends. He's lonely. 
It didn't matter to the devil that this man was trying to get back on the right track and trying to find a rehab facility. He didn't care because he had lured him away from that straight and narrow path. He disoriented him. Remember, we were walking around. He's, he looked away. He's like, okay, I still see it. And he walked a little further and further. And he, where'd it go? And he kind of, I think I see it. And looked back. And sure enough, he didn't know where he was. So he didn't care that he was looking for the rehab facility. He didn't know where he was. He was completely disoriented, walking around the city with no GPS, no guidance, no whatever. Didn't know the address. Didn't know anything. He just knew he needed to find a rehab center. So that's, the devil didn't care. He's like, you're not going to find it. It's, the guy was right across the road from it. You could see it from where the guy was, and he wasn't going to find it. He had gotten so far away that even when he, if he was right up against it, it didn't even matter. He was completely lost. It didn't matter to the devil that the man was being tough, fighting against the pain and braving the summer sun. Like I said, he passed out several times and got back up and kept walking. The man was at the point of exhaustion, he was having a heat stroke. I can promise you his head was killing him. He was hurting extremely bad. But he was, like I said, he was so desperate that he wasn't going to quit. But your body can only take so much. So it didn't matter that he was being tough because sooner or later you give out. Sooner or later you're going to faint. He's carrying around those heavy, heavy, heavy bags. He was burdened. Whatever strength he started with was zapped right out of him by the sun and by the weight he was carrying. It did not matter that this man was trying to seek freedom. The devil knew that as long as he could keep him alone, working in his own strength, carrying his own bags, that all of his toil would be futile. All of his work, it didn't matter. It would be futile. It wasn't until the man stumbled to the door of a local restaurant begging for help that he was able to reach emergency services. And in fact, somebody called for him. He didn't even call for himself. And that happens too. People, there's been plenty of kids that stumble into their parents' house and they're absolutely just broke, busted, and disgusted. And the parents say, you're going to church. You, we're calling pastor and we're going to get you right. And the kid you know, readily goes, uh, there's been plenty of times where people have to say, look, man, You've got to get your life right. It's not always someone saying, all right, I've got, got to come to the Lord. I've got to quit doing these things. I've got to get off of this addiction. There's been plenty of times where people, maybe it was you. Maybe it was your family, your spouse, your children, your parents, who said, your coworkers who said, look, man, here's your, here's your wake-up call. You have got to change. So they call 911 for this man. And like I said, far as I know, the guy's doing good. He, he at least made it to the hospital. So I know he didn't die on the side of the highway. So we'll leave him behind. Now I'm just focused on you guys. Uh, DC, if you go ahead and come up, come on up wherever you are. Don't you love his playing? Give DC a round of applause. He does so good. Very talented. Okay. So he, this guy's, for all, for all I know, and I'm going to assume the best, he's starting the road to recovery, got to the hospital, and if... If all the best things happened, he went to the hospital, got fixed up, went to the rehab center, did a couple of weeks there, went and got hooked back up with his family, and you know maybe got a good job under his feet, and now he's, he's hopefully six weeks sober, hopefully. On the other hand, he may have left the hospital, AMA, against medical advisory, 
and he may have been on the side of the highway that night looking for a, looking for a rehab center. I, I don't know. We have all strayed away, but it's, it's our choice whether or not we're the guy who you know, makes it to the rehab facility. And, you know, you can't change the past. If you've messed up your life right now, if you've messed up some things, if you've strayed away, if you've backslidden, you can't change that. But you can change your future. You can go to the rehab center. Or you can pass out on the side of the highway, and we may not, may not ever hear from you ever again. So once he called 911, or once someone called 911 for him, first responders arrived very, very quickly. They, we assessed his conditions, and we explained to him that, man, you need to go to the hospital. We, you know, with everybody, we say, oh, yeah, you can go to the hospital if you'd like. But with some people, we're like, hey, man, you really need to go to the hospital right now. Because some people, they don't really want to go. It's not a fun place. But you say, hey, man, you, you're in bad shape. You need some serious medical attention. And it's very urgent that you go. What do you think this guy did? He said he did not want to go to the hospital. And we're just like, man, we're pleading with him. Because in the, in the medical field, if you're what they call A&O times four, alert and oriented, four different ways. They ask you, you know, what's your name? Where are you? What date is it? Who is the president? If you can answer questions and you're completely alert, we're not going to kidnap you. So if we say, hey, man, you know, he, what's, the pres- what's the name of the president? Where are you? What year is it? All that stuff. And he's sharp as can be. And we're like, do you want to go to the hospital? No, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to the hospital. Like, you have, I mean, you won't have to, but you really need to go to the hospital. You're having a heat stroke right now. I just don't want to go. I, I really, I need to get to a rehab facility, but I'm just going to walk over there. I'm just going to go find it. I said, where is it at? I, I don't really know where it's at. I just need to find it. And I went, I was like, of course, you can't say that right there, but I was like, you need to go to the hospital. We'll get you to the rehab facility. You need to get some help. But he denied the help. He said, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to find it. I'm just, let me just kind of do my own thing here. And in between the slurring of the words and just being completely like out of it because his body was just failing him, we're like, you need to go. He finds it. Okay, I'll, I'll go to the hospital. But it, we really had to coerce him for a long time. And it, and it was, okay, I'll go. No, I'm not going. Yes, I'm going. No, I'm not. We finally just kind of started walking him out there. We're like, all right, let's, let's go. But, you know, we can't do that with, with people in the church. We can't be like, you're, you're going to get up here and you're going to, by the grace of God, you're going to get down here and you're going to praise the Lord. You can't, you can't do that because that comes from in here. So I may be able to physically, with two other firemen, put that guy on the cot and strap him in and send him on the hospital. I cannot go into your heart and force you to give your burdens and your loneliness and your wandering to Jesus. I can't do that. I can only plead with you. I can only just take the same sermon and mix it up four different ways and tell you, you need to come to the Lord. That's all I can do for you. We can play the music. We can open the church up seven days a week. But the decision is in you. It's, inter- it's internal. Okay, it's your choice. How far will you let things go before you decide to hop on that ambulance? Will you call 911 immediately? Or will you just wait till you're passed out in a ditch and you're like, okay, this is it. I'm like, I feel my heart fading and hope they come get me in time. 
It's your decision. Don't wait till things get that bad in your life. Don't make the Lord's grace have to be so hard on you. Just, just give in to it, okay? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Don't just try to, don't carry that baggage as far as you can absolutely carry it and then pass out and wake up and do it again and just tell you, absolutely peter out. Say, I'm tired of carrying around this heavy backpack. I'm ready to carry an easy burden, a light yoke. So he finally goes by ambulance, praise God. So in this story, the 911 call is when we cry out to the Lord. The 911 call is not when we finally, you know, get our life right. That when I was writing this up, I was like, you know, he calls 911, and that's whenever we, you know, drop our addiction or drop our troubles or whatever, lay down all of our baggage. And I was like, no, it's not. Because that guy had somebody notice this. He, when he didn't call 911 for himself, when the ambulance showed up, he wasn't really ready to lay down what he had been hanging on to. I know he wanted to quit drinking, and I know he wanted to do all this stuff, but he obviously wasn't strong enough to do it in his own strength because he hadn't quit doing it. So he, at moments, he may have wanted to quit drinking, but who knows, that night, he may have wanted to keep drinking. So he, he didn't even do it in his own strength. He had to have somebody help him. That's what this church family is. Somebody that can call and be like, look, this is your wake-up call. That 911 call is only when you cry out for help or when somebody else cries out for you. You don't get to lay down those burdens. You don't get to get found. You don't get to have freedom. You don't get that friendship and relationship and companionship until you pretty much get on that ambulance and say, okay, we're going. I'm all in. I'm locking that door behind me. Hook me up. Give me some fluids. We're going to rock and roll. That guy... It took a lot of coercion, but he finally did it. And look, I'm coercing you guys right now. Whatever you're hanging on to, okay, whatever you need to shed light on, whatever snails are living in your fern, whatever snails, okay, you need to shed light on those things right now. Okay, don't wait. You can hang on can wait but don't be hard on yourself okay take it from everybody else who's been in your shoes as far as struggled with the things you've struggled with look at biblical figures who've struggled with the things you've struggled with look at political figures celebrities family members who have struggled with the things that you struggled with and ask yourself am I going to be any different than everybody who's ever lived am I going to be the one guy who can flirt with his secretary and not let it lead to more? Am I going to be the one guy who can start drinking and drinking a little more and drinking a little more and just say, you know what, I know I'm an alcoholic, but it won't affect my work life or my family. Am I going to be the one guy who's going to beat the system? No, because John 8, 34, he who sins is a slave to sin. It's almost just like putting one handcuff on and be like, well, you know, I'll just put both of them on, but I'll be fine. I can put two handcuffs on, but I'll still be able to fight. No, you're not. It's, it's a burden you're picking up, okay? You're a slave to that sin. Don't think you're going to beat that system. And because you won't be able to beat it by just carrying it out, just drop it. Go get freedom from Jesus, okay? 
Don't hang on to it and carry it to the bitter end until you're absolutely broke down, body given out like this man was having a heat stroke. Don't carry it that far. Look in the future and say, okay, this is the path I'm supposed to be taking. And for three months, I've been this way. And so now I'm this far away. Where will I be in five years if I continue on this path? Ask yourself that question and say, okay, tonight, what corrections do I need to make to get back on path? It's all right. Look, that guy that was in a ditch, he's making huge corrections. And he's still going to have consequences that are going to follow him. He's got liver cancer he's got to deal with now. I don't know what kind of consequences you've caused in your life from your baggage. But look, man, just make a correction now. Don't wait. Don't let it the damage build. Start now, okay? Even if you're not that guy, okay? Just, just stay. It's like when you're driving, okay? If you just are constantly looking forward, you may do a little of this right here. You might do a little of that, but... You're always staying straight. You're always correcting yourself. Take that daily inventory. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, when you come into church, you need to ask yourself, what corrections do I need to make this week? You go six months uncorrected, you may end up way off. Take it from me. Don't wait that long. We don't want to be lost, lonely, and burdened. person is not you. You're not in a ditch. If you're not struggling right now, that's good. Praise God. You are walking that straight and narrow, and I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that. I don't want to underestimate that at all. Why don't we just give God praise for all this comeback stories. Amen. I'm one. My family's full of them. I don't want to get up here and downplay that, downplay that at all, because I believe it's equally as hard to get, rid, get out of that addiction as it is to stay free. Okay? Anybody who's ever lost a bunch of weight or done something like that will tell you the goal is not just to lose the weight. The goal is to keep the weight off, okay? The goal is not just to be sober for one day. The, the, the goal is to live the rest of your life sober. The goal is to have sober kids. Amen? So if you're not that person, we've all been there before. Some way or another, everybody's got different things they struggle with. Everybody's got different vices. Everybody's, you know, not in the same position as far as how far they let their sin take them before they made a course correction to get back here. But whatever your situation situation was, you know what it feels like to be needing to make a correction. Excuse me. Oh my goodness, I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. You know how it feels to be in that person's shoes, at least somewhat. You now have the chance to be a first responder, okay? You have the chance to be somebody who calls 911 for that person, okay? Where would that man be today with a broken cell phone and not wanting help if somebody didn't reach out to him? Truly ask yourself that question. I don't think that guy would be alive. There's plenty of people who die in that city for stuff like that. If somebody wouldn't have picked up the phone for him, because he wouldn't do it for himself. If somebody would not hand him, if somebody in this church doesn't hand out a CCOET card, if somebody doesn't reach out and tell their coworker who they know is struggling to come to church that, or that you care about them or that you're going to pray for them, if you don't do that, 
I know that they are responsible for themselves, but when they can do nothing else, how would you want somebody to treat you? If you were that man, would you want somebody to call 911 for you? Amen. So we got to be the people. Now that we're, we made it out, we beat it. We beat the system, basically. We're here. We're the church of comeback stories. Now that you're free, say, okay, I got I to gotta go back now. And I got to rescue people. I got to call 911. I got to be a first responder. Go in there and start giving IVs and start you know, running lines, start bandaging wounds, start helping people in rehab programs. Now I'm talk- I know I'm talking about the medical field, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been healed. You've been changed. You've been brought to the Lord. Don't keep it just for yourself. Remember that those guys, that there's people out there that still need help. Share a CCOET card. I'm speaking to myself. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know it's not the cultural norm. But remember, when, it, when you remember, or excuse me, whenever you feel like, oh, I can't do this right now. And that's how I feel. I'm like, I'll, I'll have the card in my hand. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to hand this to this person. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I have to tell myself, and I encourage you to do the same. What would I want somebody to do for me if I was lost? Would I want them to just leave me lost? Or would I want somebody to hand me a card? Reach out and call 911 for me. Do the same things that I had done for me or that someone had done for me. So the disciples weren't perfect. They were tax collectors, sinners. They were regular people. But they were made righteous in Christ Jesus and completely changed by him, much like we were, okay? We were all lost and found. We're now found in Jesus, and we've been radically changed by the renewing of our minds. Amen? But Jesus Christ sent him out in Matthew 10, and he gave him power to heal the sick, cast out demons, perform miracles. And what did he say to him? He said, freely you received, freely give. If you have received help, freely give it. If you're looking for help, it's free. Okay? Amen? I love you. Go win people for the kingdom. Amen? Great job. Great job. It's 7.59, but I want to call two, two groups to, to come and pray right now. For the next five minutes, I want, to, I want those who, and we're not going to call you out by saying, okay, for those of you who feel like you've kind of veered off course and you feel like you're off track and you need a course correction, you come stand over here and make yourself known to the whole church. No. I'm calling for those tonight. If you need a course correction, if you need God to get you and just steer you back on course and you need some serious adjustment, the altar is open for you. Don't step out yet. We're going to cover you. Because I'm going to also call for those of you right now who you've, you've already had that course correction. God has changed your life. He changed you because he does what we say. He rearranged us and we were tore up from the floor up. But he, 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 he fixed us. He, he, he patched us up. And we're great. We're good. And he's done so much. And he saved our family. He's put us back together. And he just raised us up and saved our soul. And we, we're on fire for God. Now. It's hard sometimes to get out there and share that testimony and that story. So for those of you who have struggled with that and you're saying, I just need some boldness. I just need a little bit of oomph in me. I need a little bit of pep in my step. I need some 
uh, of God to help me to be able to say the words, to have the courage to step out and witness to somebody, to share my testimony, to share my story. I want those of you who feel that way to come up as well. And we're going to pray tonight together for strength and correction. Correct us, Lord. Get us back on course. And then also give us strength for those of you who, who maybe struggle with being able to testify and to share your story. Bryce told me the other day, he said, I am putting on myself a challenge to hand out how many cards? A hundred in 30 days. He said, I'm going to hand out a hundred cards in 30 days. Now, this is not like, hey, how are you doing? Here's five. Hand them out to your family. <laughs> no, no. He put a challenge out to himself. Listen, if you don't challenge yourself to do more, if you don't say, I'm going to be continually better. I am going to do something better for my family, for myself, for my life. You won't do it. You need to take the bar that's about right here for some of us. And we can walk over it. We can limbo. On, I mean, it's easy. It's just, man, my bar is so low. This is easy. Now, raise it up here where you can just barely touch it. I want us to pray tonight. Altars are open. Come out of your pew. Come out of your pew. Come on. I, I need it. I, I want boldness. I'm praying for boldness tonight so that I can take a card. I can hand it out. I can witness. I can tell somebody I need strength. I've got a story. So as you come up here tonight, don't just stand here. I want you to say this prayer. Lord, correct me. Correct my course, Lord. Get me back on track. I have got to be on track. I've veered off. I veered to the left. I veered to the right. I am not on course with you. So for those of you who need that, right now is your time. You say, Lord, I've got to have it. I've got to be back on course. You, Lord, you know where I need to be. Get one foot in front of the other. Help me to be steadfast. Help me to be on the path. Help me to be on the path of righteousness. Seeking after you. I have veered off. Lord, I apologize. I repent. And I turn away from my sin. And I've got to have a course correction. And I need you, Jesus, to be my light. Lord, to light my path. Lord, I need you to be the guidance. I need you to be my true north. I need you to be my direction. I'm my way maker. We've got to have a way maker. One who will part the waters who will open up the waters help us to walk across on dry ground the Lord has a path for you it is not for you to suffer and to be without but he has given you a path of righteousness and boldness in the Holy Ghost so we thank you Lord that you have touched those that have said that prayer and for those that need that Lord you are meeting them in their need and they are reaching for you right now and they're saying Lord I've got to have you Lord direct my path lead me Lord I'll follow anywhere you open up the door in Jesus name in Jesus name and for those right now who want to be a witness they want to share their testimony. They've got a great testimony. They've got a great story. Lord, right now, we pray as a group right now that you would use each and every one of us that are here tonight. Those in the pew, those at the altar, Lord, we are praying for strength. Lord, we are praying for boldness. We are praying that you would guide us and direct us, Lord. Help us to see the subtle frown. Help us to see the subtle downcast person. Can be so subtle but Lord I pray that you would open up our eyes and give us a sense Lord that we would be able to spot that and to see that Lord I pray that you would open up our eyes open up our spiritual eyes to see those that are hurting 
Lord, those that are hurting, those that need you, I pray that you would give a supernatural special anointing to each one here tonight that is praying, that you would give us a supernatural spiritual awakening and anointing. Let our spiritual eyes be so open that we can see the hurting. We can feel the hurt. We can sense it in their language, in their verbiage, in the way they talk to us. And at that moment, we jump on it and we pounce on it and we say, this is the way out. This is the way out. I have a life preserver for you. I have a rope that I'm throwing down to you. Climb up. Swim to me. Get out of the funk that you are in because God has got a new thing for you. He is absolutely, He changed every one of us in here. He has changed us. We are so grateful. And now we go out in the name of Jesus victorious on fire for Him and be powerful for Him. Share the news that has been so good to you. God has been good to you. He has been so good to you. Share, share, share. What a great message tonight. We refuse to be the one who is just carrying around a massive, stinky, heavy backpack in the blazing hot sun. I don't, you need help. No, I don't. You know what? I want the help. Give me the help. Give me the direction. I don't want to be on the streets, spiritually speaking. I want to be on the streets of gold is what I want to be on. I want to be on walking on streets of gold. Light as a feather, flying around. Bryce, thank you so much for that word. You, you have, I believe tonight, you have embolden people you have empowered people you have given them the boldness and the empowerment they need they know they've got it through Jesus and Jesus Christ is going to use us to further his kingdom get ready for growth get ready for growth more people are coming in listen the foundation has been set there's lots of uh, avenues for help we can help people we can support people and all of that help is here God knows it's here and since he knows it's here and he sees your prayer he sees your sacrifice and the fasting and the prayer that's going on so much around here he's like I see a group of people that I can now draw and lead others and I know that it's a safe place Covenant Church is a safe place to bring your hurting friends and family so now just go out there and do the work because the easy part was done tonight we just talked about it Talking's the easy part. Now just go do the work. We love y'all. God bless you. Go get those lovely children that you dropped off downstairs. They're ready for you to pick them up. And let's get, be back here Sunday morning.